WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Five o'clock. Good morning. It is Wednesday, September 27th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mix of sun and clouds today. Yeah, the sun reappears. High 68. Tonight and overnight, clear and cool, low 57. And then Thursday, it's going to be a mostly cloudy one. High 68. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 44 and clear in Bedford, up in Westchester County. 52 partly cloudy in Flemington, down in New New Jersey, and it is 53 and partly cloudy here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up six o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning up in Harlem. Uh, lots of people really upset. Target announcing yesterday that it's going to shut that store up in Harlem for good come next month because they say it's become too dangerous for the workers who work there. And they say there's been so many thefts at the store, just people ripping stuff off, shoplifting these crews of people coming in and stealing stuff that they say it makes no more sense for Target to run a store in a place like Harlem. So they're shutting it down. And you can imagine people in the neighborhood who rely on Target in a place where uh, there wasn't a whole lot of stores until recently say they don't want it to go away. I don't know what to say about that because I don't think it's, it's that serious that they should go out of business. Yeah, but it is serious for Target. The location is in the um, East River Plaza. That's 116th in FDR Drive. One of nine stores that Target says it'll close in just a few weeks, but it's the only East Coast store, the company lumping it in with eight other locations, including stores in San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle, where it's the same issue. Retail theft makes it not worth it for Target to keep those stores open. This is the only one here on the East Coast. Now, police say they had made a deal with Target to monitor the store for money, by the way. They were paying uh, some police to come and monitor the store and watch for this shoplifting epidemic that has taken over this Target in Harlem. And so they were surprised by the move. They also had police on patrol outside the store. The city in general has been trying to put our heads together on what we can do to try to combat some of this. And I think it is chipping away at, at the root of the problem. Yeah, so that's the commanding officer of the 25th Precinct, which covers that area of Harlem across the city and Manhattan District Attorney claiming that shoplifting cases are actually down 14 percent. But Target says that has not been their experience. And they say these shoplifters that have come in lots of times start fights, put their employees in danger, and they say it's just not worth it anymore. So they're going to shut down. More from this commander of the police precinct in Harlem. El Barrio depends on places like this to, to survive, and um, no one likes to hear that big partners in the community are leaving. Yeah, so this was the first big Target in Manhattan when Target finally came to New York City. It opened back in 2009. I can remember it was great fanfare about bringing this new retail giant to what was an underserved community. But now it'll close for good on October 21st. And while we're talking about people ripping stuff off from others... Uh, just a really intense scene in the city of Brotherly Love last night. 
uh, there were dozens of people arrested after this huge group of juvenile looters ransacked businesses in downtown Philly last night. The chaos started about 8 o'clock. Uh, they were getting calls, police from 911 calls from people inside those stores who said they were just watching on as maybe a 100 or so just came in into these stores like Foot Locker and Lululemon and took everything off the shelves and raced out. I saw a bunch of people like just go into the Lululemon, clothes everywhere. What was running through your mind? Um, <laughs> I'm sitting by a window. I'm just going to like look the other way. This is, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of scary. Yeah, I mean, what do you do about it? Foot Locker, Lululemon, the shelves bare there this morning. Uh, they moved from those two stores onto an Apple store on Walnut Street. If you're not familiar with Philadelphia Walnut, one of the big shopping districts in downtown Philadelphia. This is 8 o'clock at night. Again, this group of mostly teenagers rushing into the Apple store and just ripping off anything they could last night. Yeah. The Apple store looks pretty cleaned out. Really? Yeah, except for like computer monitors, but like all the Apple watches, iPhones look pretty. What do you make of that when you see all of this happening? I mean, well, we watched, like, the Lululemon thing happen, and that was concerning just because it looked like a lot of people got arrested at first, but they kind of let everybody go. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I would say, like, 30-plus people around the opposite direction away from the scene, and then every died down. Yeah, just crazy to watch some of these videos. This morning, the Apple store sustained losses in terms of phones and tablets, though police telling us about an hour ago that they were able to get some of these items back. They wouldn't detail how many arrests they made. Uh, yesterday, the looting came on the same day as a Philadelphia judge dismissed charges against a former police officer in the shooting death of Eddie Irizarry. But the officers say they do not think these two incidents are connected. They say there were peaceful protests uh, over this police officer in Philadelphia last night. And they, they say this group was separate, maybe taking advantage of that moment to rip off these stores. But they say huge, huge losses in Philly. Uh, and they're still looking for a lot of people. No number of arrests in terms of how many shoplifters, how many of these people who ransacked the stores have actually been cuffed. The other big story uh, overnight is the Hollywood writers now going to vote on a tentative agreement with the major studios and writers say they're feeling very hopeful. Uh, Rick Nuhara is a writer from San Diego. He has spent his whole career writing movies and TV shows. He's a member of the Writers Guild of America. He's been so for three decades. He says it's been really tough. Remember, these writers went out on strike in the spring, no income coming in. He says this is not the best deal, but he says it's a better deal than they had before, so he'll make a little more cash. Uh, and he says he's ready to get back to work. Now, of course, the issue is SAG-AFTRA, which represents the actors who are in front of the cameras. Uh, I got an email from them last night saying they are nowhere near a deal with the Hollywood studios. So even as these writers get back to work, uh, there are no actors and actresses to uh, take their lines and read them in front of the camera. So we'll watch that story as well. WABC Newstime 509. Let's go out to Long Island. The suspected Gilgo Beach serial killer due in a Long Island courtroom later this morning. Rex Shewerman expected for a pretrial conference in Suffolk County Criminal Court during that meeting. The judge could rule on a request from prosecutors to return Hewerman's guns to Nassau County, where he lived. Police, you'll remember, found more than 200 guns in his home after his arrest. If 
the guns are illegal, Huerman could face additional weapons charges. Huerman's estranged wife also wants the guns. It's not clear why. Huerman charged, of course, with the murders of three of the 11 women found dead at Gilgo Beach since 1998. He's also a suspect in another Gilgo murder and is also being investigated in New Jersey and South Carolina. WABC News Time 510. A judge ruling Donald Trump and his company are liable for fraud in a lawsuit brought by the New York Attorney General's office. The judge in his ruling found Trump made false and misleading valuations for his real estate assets over the years to secure loans and insurance deals. The ruling came in response to a request by New York Attorney General Letitia James seeking judgment on claims in her civil lawsuit against Trump, which is scheduled to go to trial Monday. James is seeking to... $250 million in fines and sanctions that would limit the Trump organization from doing business in New York. I'm Brian Shook. WABC News Time 511. Let's go down to D.C. The Senate moving forward with a short-term government funding bill to avoid a shutdown at the end of the week. This bipartisan CR is a temporary solution, a bridge towards cooperation and away from extremism. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer there. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says he supports the bill, warned a shutdown doesn't strengthen anyone's political position. It will allow us to keep working to fully fund the federal government and spare American families the pain of a shutdown. They don't work as political bargaining chips. They create unnecessary hardships for millions of Americans. So a government shutdown would be an unnecessary disruption of the important work of the Senate's agenda. Didn't mean to interrupt Mitch there. The Senate voted yesterday to advance the short-term funding measure to avoid a government shutdown end of the week. Senate voted 77 to 19 to advance this legislative vehicle that will be used for a continuing resolution funding the government until November 17th. A lot of this is in the weeds, complicated, but the ultimate goal is they want to stop this government shutdown from happening. Uh, And now it will be up to the House, which has been stuck on how to move forward with Funding the government, uh, everybody pointing fingers at each other, the White House pointing the fingers at Republicans. It is up to them to fix whatever chaos is going on right now with these extreme Republicans in the House. It is up for them to fix. That's White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre. A bipartisan deal that was voted by uh, two-thirds of of House Republicans. They're providing a long laundry list of provision that's actually going to hurt the American people. Yeah, that's the thought from the White House. So we'll see what happens with the short-term funding bill passed in the Senate last night, what the House does with it. Hopefully they can figure this out before the end of the week. Let's bring it back home. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez set to appear in a Manhattan courtroom today on federal bribery and corruption charges. He'll be arraigned along with his wife Nadine and three co-defendants. The Democrat was indicted last week after being accused of accepting cash, gold bars, and gifts in exchange for using his influence to help businessmen and the government of Egypt. Despite calls from a growing number of Democrats, including fellow New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, to step down, Menendez has refused to resign and insists that he's innocent. I'm Mark Mayfield. 513. There's a new front in the fight against fentanyl. Senator John Cornyn wants to expand access to fentanyl strips as a way to cut down on the rising tide of overdose deaths. Communities across Texas and across the nation have been plagued by the scourge of cheap 
plentiful fentanyl. Yeah, so some of these test strips are considered drug paraphernalia. States are hesitant to change that over suggestions it would encourage drug use. The strips are used to detect whether the deadly opioid is hidden in prescription pills. Overdose deaths from fentanyl in Texas more than doubled last year, and the number's just outrageous across the country. Stop this on the supply side, deal with it on the demand side, and to help everybody in between. 514, let's go out to California. Seven Republican presidential candidates qualified for tonight's debate in California. On the street, people by deciding whether they're going to watch this debate. No Donald Trump, but the rest of the Republicans who are scoring some numbers in the polls will all be there. I'm concerned in a few years when I'm ready to retire that we're going to have an economy that would allow me to, or am I supposed to work until I'm 70, 80 years old? Yeah, good question. The RNC announcing yesterday that former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who took part in the first debate in Milwaukee last month, he did not make the cut. Who did? Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former Vice President Mike Pence, they'll return to the stage along with North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley. The group also includes Vivek Ramanswamy and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Uh, like I said, former President Trump skipping this one. We have a gerontocracy uh, in Congress and in the White House, and we need to have people who are, you know, kind of relatable. Some of the voters out in California ahead of this debate tonight. We've seen some of the similar sort of mental challenges with Trump and Biden. It's a very old age. You know, that's the same age as my grandparents. Yeah, lots of people talking about it's too old for both of them. I care about our border. I think our border is important to my grandchildren. You don't know any clue of who's coming in here. Yeah, uh, most of these people, by the way, saying they won't be tuning in to watch this thing tonight. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Hump Day. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Happy Hump Day and good morning to you, Noam Alladen. Just baseball action to get to from last night. As the Mets got postponed, it was just the Yankees squeaking out a 2 to nothing victory on the road over the Blue Jays in the first of three with Toronto. The outcome wasn't completely meaningless, though, as the Yanks continued to try and play spoiler. As their season dwindles down to its end, Toronto did hold a two-game lead over the Houston Astros for the AL's second wildcard spot. But with the loss last night and Houston having the night off, that lead is now down to just a game and a half with just five days left in the regular season schedule. The only thing that should really change there, though, is which of the two teams gets home field advantage for that wildcard one-game playoff. Seven out of the 12 clinchable playoff spots have been locked up to this point. Those teams include Baltimore, Tampa Bay, and Minnesota in the American League, while the National League has seen Atlanta, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Los Angeles clinch playoff berths up to this point. Some tight races to watch as time does dwindle here on the regular season schedule. In the AL East, the Orioles lead the race by two and a half games. Baltimore also holds that tiebreaker advantage. In the AL West, uh, the Rangers lead the Astros by two and a half games and the Mariners by three games. That's a real tight race. In the AL Wildcard, the Astros lead the Mariners by half a game. Seattle holds the tiebreaker advantage there. The NL wildcard tight as well. The D-backs are in the number two wildcard spot, leading the Cubs by one game. The Marlins are half a game behind Chicago, but hold the tiebreaker advantage over both the D-backs and Cubs. The Reds are one and a half games back of the Cubs for the third NL wildcard spot. You'd like to see Joey Votto see the playoffs there. Tiebreakers, just something to consider here. The top three elements, Noam, in order, head-to-head record, interdivision record, and then record against opponents in the same league, but a different division you might see 
couple of those instances here. And a sad day, though, as well for Major League Baseball yesterday with the news that Hall of Fame Orioles third baseman Brooks Robinson. Yeah. Yeah, he's dead, man. That is sad, man. He was an amazing player. He was great. One of the most beloved and accomplished athletes in uh, in Baltimore history, that's for sure. 18-time All-Star, is that right? Something, something like, like something yeah, some ridiculous. Crazy some number. crazy, crazy number like that. Uh, so, yeah, the great Brooks Robinson, he has died. The Orioles organization did release uh, some words yesterday, Noam. But the statement did not include details on how he did die. Hmm. He was 86 years old. So could have been natural causes, but who knows? We'll find out. And we'll let you know. And that's sports. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC Newstime 520. Let's go out to Detroit. The auto worker still walking the picket line there. President Biden standing alongside those UAW members on the picket line in Michigan yesterday. Saved the automobile industry back in 2008 and before. Made a lot of sacrifices. Gave up a lot. President Biden telling those workers they deserve a significant raise and other benefits as the automakers have raked in record profits. It's the first time a sitting U.S. president has stood on the picket line alongside workers. President Biden telling the workers that uh, it's time the Automakers share their profits with them. Now they're doing incredibly well. And guess what? You should be doing incredibly well, too. Striking UAW member Tamika Ellis says Biden's appearance may help. Inflation went up, gas, grocery, I mean, rent, everything. And we need to be able to at least stay balanced, you know, be able to afford some of these things without living paycheck to paycheck. Union members striking against the big three automakers calling for higher wages, job protections, a four-day work week. Former President Trump, he's set to visit with those workers later today while that debate takes place in California tonight. 521. While we're talking about President Biden, his dog, Commander, has bit another Secret Service officer, the 11th known incident. How much longer do they let this dog live in the White House? Maybe they got to muzzle the dog. This has been a recurring problem that the first family has tried to deal with. They say they've uh, brought about training and they've tried to have some designated areas where uh, Commander Biden can run and play uh, that everyone knows are sort of his space and his turf. The uh, purebred German Shepherd bit the officer Monday night. She was treated. She's going to be okay. But U.S. Secret Service emails from July describe 10 incidents in a four-month period involving the dog biting people. This has been a recurring problem that the first family has tried to deal with. They say they've uh, brought about training and they've tried to have some designated areas where uh, yeah, was, she's repeating essentially what she said before, but that's unbelievable. 11 bites uh, from the same German shepherd still in the White House today. Let's go overseas. The German government has hinted it may beef up border checks in response to fraudulent visa scandal in neighboring uh, Poland and Warsaw. Trent Murray says the chancellor is calling to clarify how many fraudulent visas have been distributed so far. Officials at some embassies and consulates were taking bribes for visas to Poland, which in turn would provide the applicant access to the European Union. The country's Prime Minister has said that the number of fraudulent visas is in the hundreds, but the opposition has said they believe the number is much higher. The back and forth comes just weeks ahead of national elections. The ruling Law and Justice Party has slammed the German Chancellor's comments, labelling it election interference. Trent Murray, Warsaw. WABC News Time 523. Canada's House Speaker resigning after he praised a Ukrainian veteran who fought for the Nazis in World War II. This house is above any of us. 
Therefore, I must step down as your speaker. That's Anthony Roda. He commended 98-year-old Yaroslav Hanka as a war hero who fought for Ukrainian independence against Russian aggressors then and continues to support troops today. Human rights and Jewish organizations criticize Roda's move, noting that Hunka fought for a Nazi military unit. Now, apparently, most of these lawmakers had no idea, including Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. It's with a heavy heart that I rise to inform members of my resignation as Speaker of the House of Commons. Yes, so he stepped down. I guess it was that big of a deal in Canada. That public recognition has caused pain to individuals and communities, including the Jewish community in Canada and around the world, in addition to survivors of Nazi atrocities in Poland. Yes, so they gave this guy a standing ovation. Now the House Speaker says today will be his last day. My resignation is effective at the end of the sitting day tomorrow to allow preparations for the election of a new Speaker. A cruise liner captain's been sentenced to a five years in prison over an accident on the Danube back in 2019 in Budapest. Pablo Guterres says the vessel collided with a smaller boat. You might remember this story leading to the deaths of 25 South Korean tourists, two crew members and another person. Yuri Shaplinsky was convicted of negligence for endangering water transport safety at a Budapest court. Chaplinsky expressed remorse for the tragedy, saying he is haunted by the memories of the devastating incident. The accident involved the mermaid, a sightseeing boat carrying a tour group, which sank shortly after colliding with the larger Swiss-registered Viking River cruise vessel on May 29, 2019. His sentence can be appealed. Pablo Gutierrez, Budapest. All right, let's bring it back home. Go out to Los Angeles where an L.A. area youth football coach under arrest after he allegedly punched and knocked out a 14-year-old player. Police say the adult coach of the Murrieta Broncos left the sideline during a game and attacked a player on the other team. Uh, the mother, you might guess, of that player who was attacked is in shock. Children are children, but I can understand who's a child. But this was an adult, and he he intentionally hit my child yeah, that in kid, front of me. Yeah, that kid suffered a seizure and a concussion after getting punched. What happens if we don't get the old Harlem back? What do we do? He gets suspended from your league, and... You're like a slap on the wrist, and my son has to deal with this for the rest of his life. Yeah, the coach has been suspended and banned from uh, Little League football, well, for the rest of his career. Sounds like a good way to go. New car prices are so high that many buyers are getting into a situation where they can't keep up with the payments. This is what we're hearing from dealerships across the country. It's the worst investment we make. A friend of mine bought a new BMW, give 15000 over a window sticker. Okay. Uh, Randy Adams is a used car dealer. He says this means there are more used cars that are for sale, which would be a welcome relief for car shoppers. The average new car prices are sitting just over $48,000, and that's why people, I guess, are having a hard time keeping up with the payments. It's going to give you a few more cars on the market. The problem is they knew they were going to get repoed. When's the last time they changed the oil? Yes, so uh, he's saying go out and buy a used car. Of course, he owns a used car dealership. Some Cadillac Escalades will bring 20000 over one sticker, and BMWs are still bringing 15000 over yeah, but one what, sticker. What we 
we've been hearing is those repo guys have been out in big numbers over the last year, uh, repossessing cars of people who can't afford the monthly nugget because it's just too high. And so, of course, this guy who owns a used dealership down in Texas is saying used cars is the way to go. They're more affordable. The opening bell rings this morning after Wall Street closed sharply lower as worries about the economy rattled the markets yesterday. Stocks slid with the major averages down more than 1% after weaker-than-expected reports on home sales and consumer confidence. Investors also nervous about the lack of progress until last night in an effort to avoid that government shutdown. So at the closing bell, the Dow fell 388 points. S&P 500 lost 63. The Nasdaq dropped 207 points. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Wednesday, September 27th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun, clouds today. You heard me right, a little sun. High 68. Tonight and overnight clear and cool low 57 and then tomorrow the clouds reappear high 68 if you are walking out the door with us right now so happy you are 44 and clear up in bedford in westchester county 52 partly cloudy in flemington down in new jersey and it is 52 and partly cloudy here in midtown we'll start this half hour out on staten island in a huge victory a decision a staten island judge ordering Mayor Adams and City Hall to remove the migrants who have been sent to St. John Villa Academy, which was a former Catholic school, as a migrant shelter. Uh, the city vowing to appeal this decision. The decision follows weeks of protests in this residential neighborhood where Staten Island residents said a migrant shelter never belonged. Now a judge has agreed. Here's Staten Island Borough President Vito Fisella. We couldn't be more pleased and we're going we're gonna to continue to fight if necessary. At the same time, we have to be logical. And- are you in crisis? People's hearts are in the right place and trying to help. But at the same time, we have to be logical and put the taxpayers of the city first and put the emphasis where it belongs on the federal government. Fasella says common sense prevailing after Supreme Court Judge Wayne Ozzie issued this injunction to stop the city from using St. John Villa Academy as a shelter for the migrants. The ruling followed those angry protests, which were led by our own Curtis Sliwa, who was out there many nights. This man lives right next door to the school, and he says he never thought it was right that the migrants were there. It's just not the right place for it, and they should have saw that from the beginning. Uh, but this fight probably not over. Mayor Adams says he'll challenge the judge's decision in court out to queens and long island where a new york city high school teacher and a coach of a baseball team has been pulled from his duties after officials reviewed a video where the man was seemingly shouting homophobic slurs during a road rage incident matthew kelvison he actually recorded this whole thing and he was on the receiving end of this teacher's tirade that took place 
Yeah, it was uh, ugly. So apparently the teacher, who has been identified as Juan Noah, crossed over three lanes of traffic in front of Matthew Calvison. So Matthew says he beeped his horn, and that's when this fight broke out. But Matthew says he was concerned for his own safety, so he pulled out his phone and he taped the entire incident. Everything that was said in the video, it just, it was shocking. He said, I'm going to R-word you, you effing, another F-word that's very bad. Let's just say homophobic slurs were shouted. So, so Juan uh, Noah would have gotten away with this road rage incident if it wasn't for Matthew Kelvison, who said he worried for his own safety because he says the teacher took a picture of his license plate and he was worried he might come find where he lived. So he took the video and he posted it up on social media, hoping that if something happened to him, police would be able to find the person who carried out the incident. Well, that's when it was shared and And that's how it got back to the Department of Education. And that's why this teacher is in a lot of trouble. This guy had filmed my license plate, my car. Who knows? This person would retaliate against me. So posting it was almost a form of protection in case anything happened. Yeah, can you imagine? So it's 30 seconds of this guy's entire life where he definitely behaved inappropriately. And now... Well, now it's not so good. Uh, he uh, is a teacher at Flushing High. The Department of Education says Noah has been reassigned away from students, so he's no longer in the classroom, and he's no longer coaching the baseball team. And Kvelsen, who was, the, again, the one who was on the other end of this shouting match, says, well, well, that's what happens. This guy is around children. If he's a coach, if he's a teacher in the community, a leader in the community, he can't be acting like that in public. I didn't want the attention. I just wanted people to know that this guy was out there. We reached out to the DOE to see if they would reinstate this teacher at some point. We did not hear back from them. WABC News Time 538. Let's go out to Queens. Just an intense moment there yesterday. A crossing guard hit by a car. The 63-year-old woman protecting the kids from that exact kind of accident when she was hit by a Mercedes from behind. She was escorting children from Our Lady of Hope Academy across Elliott Avenue by 71st Street when she was hit. Everybody was just screaming and crying. Everybody was in shock. She's a wonderful woman. Uh, everybody in the community loves her. I'm sad because I, I like her a lot. She's really nice. So the Mercedes crashed into a tree after hitting the cross guard. The impact so hard that the airport, uh, airbags deployed in that car. Neighbors are running to help that uh, crossing guard. And the good news is eventually she'll be okay. She was one of the most wonderful people you could ever meet. She was so kind to the children and courteous and she had a hard job here, too. Yeah, she's talking about her in the past tense, but she I will tell you, she's alive, and we've been told she's going to recover. The accident occurring along the border between Middle Village and Maspeth, where people say cars always drive a little too fast. I've been here 20 years. My parents almost got hit. I almost got hit with my kids crossing this street right here, this crossing, and we all knew that this was going to happen. We wish every driver would just kind of step back and think what they do when they drive. Crossing guard again in stable condition. The cause crash under investigation. So far, that driver who stayed at the scene has not been arrested. Up to the Bronx where it was more tragic. A Bronx faith leader run down by a man who was high on drugs and speeding. He was instantly killed. It's Muhammad Rahman, 67 years old. He was walking to the mosque where he was set to lead evening prayers. His son was waiting for him at that mosque 
and asked people what happened when he did not arrive. And I asked the people over there, uh, have you seen my dad? They're like, no, we're waiting for him to lead the prayer. He never came. Yeah, and then word uh, started to spread about this accident, and you can imagine Sador is the son's name. Uh, shocked to find out that the person who was killed was his dad. Behind the wheel, 27-year-old Victor Ramos, uh, who was arrested at the scene. His license had already been suspended, facing a half-dozen charges, uh, and was high on drugs. Uh, back to Rahman's family, who said this guy should be thrown behind bars. We want the, the worst punishment can ever ha- the person can have. So nobody else can lose their family member. Yeah, Muhammad Rahman leaves behind a wife, seven children, and 18 grandchildren. He'll be buried on Friday. 541, let's go out to Long Island. Services continuing for two Farmingdale, Long Island high school educators who died in that bus crash in Orange County last Thursday on their way to band camp. Mourners gathering for the wakes of retired teacher Beatrice Ferrari and Farmingdale High School Band Director Gina Pelletieri. People in Farmingdale and the community there surrounding areas have been wearing the school's color of Kelly Green in unity and support to hold each other up during this morning process. I think it's wonderful that Long Island is supporting its own. We're just trying to show solidarity with, with the school. It's sad. It's horrible. Hopefully, you know, we can we can move forward, but always remember the two we lost. The 77-year-old Ferrari, who had been chaperoning the band trip and had done so in the past, she will be laid to rest today. Pelletieri's funeral is tomorrow. There won't be any classes, so kids can attend that funeral. The school actually will remain opening uh, for those who need counseling. 5.42, out to New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez set to appear, actually, in Manhattan courtroom this morning on federal bribery and corruption charges. Senator Menendez standing by the fact he says he's done no wrong, but more of his fellow Democrats are making it clear they do not believe him. The latest may be the most crushing one. Senator Cory Booker, the junior senator from New Jersey, who has called Bob Menendez a friend and a mentor, now says the senior senator should step down. Governor Murphy uh, yesterday again calling on the 69-year-old to call it quits. I believe strongly that the senator needs to take that step. God willing, he will, uh, in the interests of all New Jerseyans. And that comes after one of the most well-known Democrats in D.C., Nancy Pelosi, called on Menendez to step down. And it'd probably be a good idea if he did resign. Because of the challenges that we face, because the skepticism that exists in our country about governance... Yeah, so the Democrat was indicted last week after being accused of accepting cash, gold bars, and gifts in exchange for his, using his influence to help businessman and the government of Egypt. WABC News Time 543, while we're talking New Jersey, a policy created to protect transgender students in grades K through 8 has been officially repealed in Hanover Township. Schools in New Jersey uh, have been looking over this policy, 5756. It was introduced in the state back in 2018. It bars schools from outing transgender students to their own families. Parents in Hanover showing up to a school board meeting last night, pushing back against the idea of hiding any information from the parents. They spoke to News 12. Pretty complicated issue, but I think it's important to know that um, what we feel is that repealing the policy doesn't hurt anybody. Uh, Repealing the policy does not remove 
the uh, New Jersey laws against discrimination. Several other school districts in New Jersey have opted to scrap the policy, but there were people there at this meeting last night who say they should keep this policy in place. We feel very strongly that um, we have to protect transgender students. They're the most vulnerable out of any students. The policy was adopted in Hanover Township schools in March of 2019, but as of last night, it has been scrapped. 545, let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Yes, you will find me here. Oh, there no, you are. Hey, I was looking hey, for you. Oh, my God. How's it going? Yeah. Just uh, some baseball action. Quiet night last night in sports. Just some baseball action to get to here. The Mets got postponed. So the Yankees, they know, squeaked out a 2 to nothing victory uh, the road over the Blue Jays in the first of three with Toronto. The outcome wasn't completely meaningless, though. As the Yanks continue to try and play a little spoiler here as their season dwindles down to its end. Toronto did hold a two-game lead over the Houston Astros for the AL's second wildcard spot with the, with the loss last night. And uh, Houston, I should say, having the net off. That lead is now down to just a game and a half with just five days left in the regular season schedule. The only thing that really should change there, though, is which of the two teams gets home field advantage for that wildcard one-game playoff. Seven out of the 12 uh, clinchable playoff spots have been locked up to this point across the major leagues. Those teams include Baltimore, Tampa Bay, and Minnesota in the American League, while the National League has seen Atlanta, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Los Angeles clinch playoff berths up to this point. Some tight races to watch moving forward. The Orioles lead the Rays by two and a half games. Baltimore holds the tiebreaker advantage currently there. The AL West is looking tight. The Rangers lead the Astros by two and a half games, and the Mariners by three games. The AL wild card. Uh, the Astros lead the Mariners by half a game. Seattle holds the tiebreaker advantage there. And the NL wild card race, that's a real tight one. The D backs are in the number two wild card spot. Leading the Cubs by one game. The Marlins are half a game behind Chicago, but hold the tiebreaker advantage over both the D-backs and the Cubs. And the Reds, they're lurking as well. They're a game and a half uh, games back of the Cubs for the third NL wildcard spot. So that's one to watch as well. And just for, uh, in layman's terms, I guess you should say, the tiebreakers, the top three elements there, uh, head-to-head record, interdivision record, and then record against opponents in the same league but a different division those should apply in a couple of instances here coming up. And a sad day, though, as well for Major League Baseball yesterday with the news at Hall of Fame Orioles third baseman Brooks Robinson, one of the most beloved and accomplished uh, athletes in Baltimore history. He has died. The Orioles organization did release some words yesterday, though the statement did not include details on how Robinson did pass away. He was 86 you know, years old. You know, I have this 3D baseball card of Brooks Robinson that oh. I got from the bottom of a Raisin Bran box when I was a kid. I don't know that he was even playing at that point anymore. Uh-huh. Think it's worth anything? Uh, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, they used to have the uh, the hostess, ring right. dings and yodels. Yeah. They had baseball cards at the bottom of their I boxes, remember. too. And uh, that also was worth nothing. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Baseball cards hold little to no value. I, I well, no, that's not true. His baseball card, his tops card, right. would be has... worth something, but not something off of a ring-ding box. Right. It's, it has, it has it's to be 3D, the original. Though. Right. Tops card. It it's has a to be, yeah. 3D card. Like, if you move it to the left and to the right, he looks like he's swinging the baseball bat. I mean, it's pretty cool. It's kind of cool, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you didn't know that it's not worth anything. No. Yeah, I think right. for baseball cards to be, to be worth much, they have to be really, like, the original tops. By the way, he won uh, 16 straight gold gloves. Mm. He's one of three major league players in the history of the game to do that. 16 straight gold gloves. A lot of them. You guys have any idea who the other two are? No. Oh my god. Uh, no. One of them pitched for the Twins, Yankees, great Yankee announcer. Carl Pavano. <laughs> 
tried Jim Cott. The other one was a great Chicago Cub and Atlanta Brave. Went oh. on to become one of the greatest pitchers in baseball. Didn't throw very hard. Oh, uh, oh, uh, Greg Maddox? Ace, bang, Greg Maddox. Oh, Maddox, you. Jim Cotton, Brooks Robinson, 16 straight gold gloves. How about hmm. that? Wow. Fun facts from very, Sydney. Very Look at that. boring. <laughs> yeah, very, very boring. <laughs> <laughs> According to Trump, maybe so. That's your sports gnome. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. All right, let's catch you up on some of the bigger stories of the morning. One of them is this surprise move by the retail giant Target to close its East Harlem store. They had announced yesterday that retail theft and the safety of their workers was the reason they were closing seven other stores. All of them were out on the West Coast in places you might guess, Seattle, San Francisco. But this is the only East Coast one. And you can imagine people who shop at that store in East Harlem upset that it's going to go away. I don't know what to say about that because I don't think it's, it's that serious that they should go out of business. Yeah, well, the Target says it is. The location at the East River Plaza. Must 100- have found that guy at the local Mensa meeting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> East River Plaza, 116th Street and FDR. But this is bad, Sid, because this is in an area where they don't have a lot of stores nearby. It was a big deal to have a Target where things are usually a little bit more affordable. Oh. The head of the 25th Precinct, which is in charge of protecting stores like Target, says uh, they tried to uh, make sure that these stores weren't ripped off. The city in general has been trying to put our heads together on what we can do to try to combat some of this. And I think it is chipping away at at the root of the problem. Yeah, whatever it is, it has not worked for at least Target across the city. The Manhattan DA is claiming shoplifting cases are down 14%, but Target says that has not been their experience. Uh, This is why the uh, the mayor has to stop by. I mean, once again, yesterday, in touch with Fabian Levy at City Hall, texted the mayor. He gave me a thumbs up about coming on, but this is... Another thing we must discuss, not just the migrant crisis, not just the subways, but when you have major retail outlets closing in New York City because of a quote-unquote crime issue that needs to be addressed by the mayor. And it will be if, in fact, he shows up tomorrow, which is becoming a real probability for sitting friends in the morning. All right, let's not say anything to dissuade him from coming in tomorrow. I'll try our hardest anyway. The, uh, this was the first Target, by the way, in Manhattan. You'll remember it opened back in 2009 to great fanfare, bringing new retail to what was an underserved community in Harlem. But now it'll close for good on October 21. While we're talking shoplifting retail problems, a bad night in Philadelphia. Looters ransacking businesses uh, across Walnut Street in the shopping district down in Center City. Video capturing groups of teenagers just emptying out a Foot Locker store and a Lululemon. This was on Walnut Street. I saw a bunch of people like just go into the Lululemon, clothes everywhere. What was running through your mind? Um, <laughs> I'm sitting by a window. I'm just going to, like, look the other way. This is, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of scary. Yeah, just a frightening scene for the shoppers who were in the store, the workers who were trying to close up. As that was taking place, just a short while away, also on Walnut Street, the same group of maybe about a 100 kids in all, that was the number being thrown out, were going through an Apple store uh, on Walnut Street. Yeah. The Apple store looks pretty cleaned out. Really? Yeah, except for, like, computer monitors. But like all the Apple Watches, iPhones look pretty. What do you make of that when you see all of this happening? I mean, well, we watched like the Lululemon thing happen, and that was concerning just because it looked like a lot of people got arrested at first, but they kind of let everybody go. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I would say like 
30 plus people ran the opposite direction away from the scene and then everything died down. Interesting though, shoppers saying that they let some of these people go. We couldn't get a real time number about arrests. They did say they did catch up with some of the people who had looted that Apple store and were able to return some of the uh, iPads and watches they had stolen, but did not give us a clear number of arrests that were made last night. This all came after a Philadelphia judge dismissed charges against a former police officer in the shooting death of Eddie Irizarry, which was a huge story in Philadelphia. Now, the people involved in those protests say these shoplifters, these ransackers, these rioters had nothing to do with their protests, and police say that's probably the case. Uh, out to Long Island, it'll be a big day there for the suspected Gilgo Beach serial killer. Due in a Long Island courtroom this morning, Rex Ewerman expected for a pretrial conference in Suffolk County Criminal Court. During that meeting, the judge could rule on a request from prosecutors to return Hewerman's guns to Nassau County where he lived. Now, you'll remember police found more than 200 guns in his home after his arrest. If the guns are illegal, Hewerman could face additional weapons charges. Hewerman's estranged wife also wants the guns, but that's not really clear why she's asking for them back. Hewerman charged, of course, with the murders of three of the 11 women found dead at Gilgo Beach since 1998. Also a suspect in another Gilgo murder and also being investigated in New Jersey and South Carolina. The other big story in New York, a judge ruling Donald Trump and his company liable for fraud in a lawsuit brought by the New York Attorney General's office. The judge in his ruling found Trump made false and misleading valuations for his real estate assets over the years to secure loans and insurance deals. The ruling came in response to a request by New York Attorney General Letitia James seeking judgment on claims in her civil lawsuit against Trump, which is scheduled to go to trial Monday. James is seeking $250 million in fines and sanctions that would limit the Trump organization from doing business in New York. I'm Brian Shook. And let's end the show on a happy note. FDNY welcoming its newest class of emergency medical technicians, EMTs, during a graduation yesterday at the Christian Cultural Center in Brooklyn. Among them, 25-year-old Andrew Shepard, who says uh, that he's ecstatic to be a member of the FDNY. Joining the the fire department uh, has just been a life goal of mine. And it's a great story. He's following in the footsteps of, of his grandfather, who is Battalion Chief Dennis Cross. Cross was killed during the 9-11 attacks in the World Trade Center. It means everything to me, uh, trying to just set the right example like he did, uh, taking care of the guys below me, uh, next to me, and anybody that I would be in charge of in the future. Yeah, great to see here. Great people like that joining the FDNY. Ortiz, uh, Shepard, a whole bunch of other names. Uh, we don't have time to go through. Part of the 148 EMTs who graduated and walked across the stage on Tuesday. We salute them and wish them well as they become new members of the FDNY.